Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding sticker commercial. There's only one way to get the new Mostly Skateboarding stickers. That's by making a donation of the Kevin Wilkins Fund on GoFundMe.com. Kevin was a longtime editor at Transworld and went on to help found the Skateboard Mag, where he was Templeton and I's editor. He gave me my first writing job as well as Templeton's, and now he's battling prostate cancer and they just discovered spots on his pelvis. So please donate at least $10 to the Kevin Wilkins Fund. Forward your receipt to mostlyskateboarding at gmail.com, along with your mailing address, and Templeton will send you some stickers. You can find the link to donate in this week's show notes, and uh, it's a cause near and dear to Templeton and I, so uh, any help is appreciated, even if you don't go for the sticker deal. Thanks, and on to the show. Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Jason from Frozen Carbonite. And I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Mike Munzenreiter. This week we're covering some of the videos that came out over our break, but first we got Pete Glover from 4ply Mag, Thought Statistics, and the Quarter Snacks Top 10. Pete, this week you dropped uh, an extensive longitudinal data analysis. I don't even know if it's technically longitudinal. I, I just like saying that. Of the uh, Quarter Snacks Top 10 on 4plymag.com. You go deep on data in a kind of a scholarly way, combining two of my interests, skating and uh, fucking around with spreadsheets. <laughs> so, who are you guys, and are you a stats nerd in your professional life? Well, thanks for having me. Um, so, for Ply Mag, there's three of us. The head is Jared. Um, he started it. He owns the domain. He is a literal data scientist for a big tech company. He did that article in Jenkum a while back with the this dude analyzed all of Jim Greco's tricks. So. Oh. Um, that's, then there's myself and then Harrison, who's in Australia, who has his first article is going to be coming out in a couple weeks. So yeah, basically it's, uh, I got laid off with the pandemic, uh, happening. I was just in retail management and just kind of did not want to go back to that career. So I started taking online classes in coding and I've worked with spreadsheets, but not at all in a data science kind of way. So I've been learning as I go and there's no better way to learn than doing something that's interesting so rather than just kind of the sample data sets about irises or whatever it's uh i was as soon as i saw the first four ply mag i just started bugging jared to get involved and he's uh helped me out just to learn the ropes and and just set me loose so that's really awesome um i'm also somebody who works in tech although not for a large tech company but certainly i've spent my fair share of time working with uh, folks who do data analytics. And I got to ask, how long did it take for y'all to compile and synthesize all of this? Well, it took me probably longer than it would just because, like I said, I'm, I'm learning as I go. Uh, actually compiling the stats, especially with the Quarter Snacks Top 10, it was good because it was in bite-sized pieces. It's, you know, the, the Top 10 drops, and I'll, you know, watch it once and then kind of just build the spreadsheet for those 10 slots of the week maybe 10, 15 minutes. It really depends on if I know what stance people are. Otherwise, I got to try to figure that out. Um, and some of the tricks can be a little difficult just to like, how am I going to describe this? And then I get distracted. So usually I end up watching half the videos while I'm entering the data as well. <laughs> Synthesizing it, it uh, takes somewhat of a while. We use Python and the Pandas uh, library just to sort of process the data so I was learning to write it, even though I had other code that Jared had written to sort of base it on. So I definitely was kind of learning as I went. So, I mean, many hours. Now that we have the code, if I were to do this at the end of 2021, 
I could literally just have that code point at the 2021 spreadsheet and it'll just churn out the numbers. You know, I'd still have to write the article and everything. But um, yeah, <laughs> definitely it's a, a lot more hours uh, than I realize. It's just I get into it. So it's, it's, uh, I, I, I'm luckily not at the point where I'm really counting. So bad, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you gotten to the point where when you were working on this that you ever started kind of dreaming about your work? I know that if you're doing anything in spreadsheets, mm-hmm. anything with a, a large data set that sometimes it kind of just becomes all consuming. Did you ever find yourself just not even thinking about the tricks, but just the data set itself? Well, definitely. Well, I get really excited and overdo it. And if you've read the article, you can see it's definitely from someone who just kept diving deeper and deeper. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, I'd say, uh, I mean, I don't know if I've literally dreamed in like cells and columns and rows, but definitely with coding, you start to see that even when people are talking at you, you're like, oh, they're caught in a for loop now. And you can just sort of, sort of see things going in that way. But yeah, I definitely get into it and get really excited and uh that's time just sort of flies by so yeah i think something like this you can get obsessed but it's kind of almost like skating where you kind of just get in the flow of it and whether it's with designing the graphs or anything it's just it's that's kind of the best times when it's just you're in that zone and time kind of zips by and stops at the same time so yeah it it can happen with spreadsheets too I would, I would just wonder, and ever since I, I learned about four-ply, because, well, frankly, I'm like a, I'm a basketball nerd, and the stats revolution, or whatever you want to call it, yeah, big there. Do you guys approach this from, like, sports point of view, or is it more a, like, data science point of view? Hell yeah, I definitely do. I'm baseball, but that's, I came up with, like, baseball cards, and you know, eventually saber metrics. And that's something yep. I'm thrilled to be able to try to apply that to skating. And it doesn't, it's a, not a natural fit at all to try to quantify skating uh, a lot. I think Jared definitely comes from a data science point of view where as far as I know, he's not a big sports fan, but he is into data visualization and kind of his brain work in that way. But for me, yeah, definitely baseball and the fun of baseball uh isn't necessarily in watching the game it is i acknowledge a really slow boring kind of beer drinking day in the park Mm -hmm. game what's kind of exciting is seeing the accumulation of statistics comparing that with over 100 years worth of you know previous statistics and just that's kind of uh where for me it comes from so yeah definitely from a sports point of view and i'm okay with skating because it we won't lose the street aspect we won't lose that kind of artistic aspect with olympics or quantification of it if if it was only four ply spreadsheets if it was only you know uh nine club or not nine club but a street league you know kind of rankings yeah i can see how people would hate that but i don't feel like it actually detracts from having that lane as well how would you definitely (laughs) it's like another way to oh just real quick it's just another way to like understand it because i think once you think about skating long enough it's like you want to see these through lines that you guys are pulling out exactly yeah yeah exactly and there's people people analyze music through data as well so there are you know you can analyze creative endeavors in different ways and especially with skating and you once you just sort of get the data set it's it's kind of fun and ridiculous and a little silly to try Mm -hmm. to quantify some of these things and we're trying more and more with when i did the fred gall article having the crust kind of metric we got uh with andrew allen is uh, another person we're going to be profiling coming up soon so we're trying to approach it of well do we want to 
compare sort of what tricks are done wearing flannel shirts, what tricks are done wearing shorts or something like that, you know? So yeah. it's, it can be fun just to have those kind of quantities and see if they correlate, um, which sometimes they do, whether it's just coincidence or not. <laughs> Pete, you, um, you mentioned four-ply and Python. Are those spreadsheet programs or? Well, four-ply is just the, the website. Um, so that's just uh, what Jared kind of came up with it. Um, Python, yeah, is a coding language that is very broad that a lot of i mean basically runs a good portion of the internet and that's what i was sort of encouraged to learn just because it is certainly career-wise but it just has a lot of op applications for automating a lot of things so uh it's while it's not a spreadsheet program it's you can do spreadsheet stuff with it um it can yeah. kind of almost do anything yeah so um so like like do you use excel or google sheets or are those like for uh, proposers <laughs> No, no, I, I use Google Sheets just because it's free. So that's what I got. Or I got a Mac, so it comes with the numbers program. But I'm not hating on Excel because Excel, I've learned, has a lot of really good features that uh, there's a reason it costs money, that it does do more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely Google Sheets. And especially if it's, since there's three of us and we can kind of share information, it's good to have the sheets. So you could just yeah, have yeah, people yeah. double check your work or have someone else look at the numbers and the what we're doing and what do they see or what, what other kind of charts can we make out of this? Yo, real quick, you mentioned the charts. How do you make those things? Cause they're really, uh, really powerful. They're like, I really <laughs> want to like knock them dead the next time I have to do a presentation at work. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, as like a, like a plain white background with some plain black text, like so lame. Like what do I do if I want to make like a, well, what I learned, what I know how to do, and I, again, learned this just from doing an online class with just videos, and you could probably just find them on YouTube, is just Illustrator, uh, Adobe oh, Illustrator, yeah. um, where they, you can even just enter a copy and paste a spreadsheet, and it'll make different charts, and then you can just superimpose photos. You can use right, that right. to then go to Adobe After Effects to do animations for, like, social media what I don't know how to do, but like some of the other articles, uh, not the quarter snacks one, but some of the other ones in four ply are interactive to where you can like click a, you know, a, a drop down menu to pick a different year or a different obstacle and the actual graph will change and animate. And that uses like JavaScript. I don't know that. So it's definitely smarter people than me have made those, but hopefully We'll get there. But yeah, just learn an illustrator. And again, I mean, it's kind of the, the upside to kind of the pandemic is just, you know, it's I'm broke, but I got plenty of time to learn this kind of stuff. <laughs> so and these classes online, it's like, you know, ten dollars for a whole course. So it's it's definitely sure. been fun. And it it's, you know, knowing Photoshop, it's if you're on Slap, you can start making different styling, you know, threads and making all kinds of fun. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you all have been doing this as a passion project and it's really really dope do you ever think that there is a lane for this in skating like more specifically i know we're starting to get into advertising speak but data-driven decision making about skateboarding like for example would you ever consider going through and doing an analysis of say like the last 20 of the last 30 years of skater of the year analyzing all the video parts that uh led to that person becoming skater of the year or the photos right and trying to figure out you know is there a way to craft the perfect year to become Sodi? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, i mean yeah just to use data i mean it'd be like in sports of just you know money ball but like 
you know, money decks or whatever, just to <laughs> use data to try to like make the ultimate video part or the part that your sponsors want the most or with quarter snacks. Um, and this was sort of decided after the fact, obviously it was just for fun, but the original title of the article was sort of how to get your clip into the quarter snacks top 10 and the article is still the the text of it is kind of written of using this data you can then see what is favored and craft your 2020 footage or 2021 footage to try to get that bump from being in the top 10 um and we ended up changing it that quarter snacks some people take these things really literally apparently and uh Mm -hmm. they have to deal with some some shit from (laughs) social media so we went with something a little less you know uh, there's been a few other times where we've I've come up with ideas and it's like someone might take that seriously so it's mm. it's I can't be too sarcastic but uh yeah I think it definitely has a place and I know you know any business can certainly try to use and especially if you're trying to make money you need to pay attention to what people want what people are paying for and what they're not I mean it's just kind of simple you know profit and loss spreadsheets or whatever but yeah I think there's always a place for it but um I don't know. We'll see. That'd be great if it progressed to getting, you know, I'm getting contracted by, you know, people that strategize their, you know, Tampa pro runs or something like that. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, board on the sideline, you know, who would, who, who would be the ideal character to take, to come back and take over the game is Rocco. <laughs> yeah. I could see Rocco coming back. You would be his, you know, you would be his number two. He come back in. I'm putting together the ultimate team, the ultimate distro. We're taking, you know, I'm taking back the skateboard game. <laughs> Using the power of percentages, we can just figure out the just the right <laughs> amount of controversy that you know it's upsetting enough, but not too upsetting that parents won't buy the boards. Which yeah. is exactly what Devil Man and Wet Willie and all that shit was. Was it was controversial, but it's cute and cartoony, and it it took. Oh, I worked at a skate shop on that hit, and it was. Stupid how many boards of those. <laughs> yeah, because wasn't it uh, Mark McKee when he was on the Nine Club? He said that he was on the verge of being fired from Dwindle. And he said he had to come up with something. And I have that issue of Thrasher from, I think it's summer of 96 with the first uh, Wet Willie and Devil Man ad. And after that, like the, it was like a different company. It was no longer the same world industries. Oh, it, it changed things and it was one of the first maybe one of the only skate companies for boards i mean maybe element but it did cross over into mainstream culture i know it was referenced on the simpsons and that first devil man ad which i don't know if it was i think probably thrasher but it was a two-page mark mckee comic about how cool it is in hell and how you want to go to hell (laughs) yeah and then the last panel was that little like you can send your soul it's like a signature to authorize that world industries can own your soul and I, apparently if you sent it in you got a t-shirt that said i sold my soul to world industries and all i got was this lousy t-shirt which i thought was brilliant but it, it definitely got out of hand but i mean yeah. it's, rocco knows what he's doing i mean it's he from every move he knows exactly i mean or he just has that instinct so yeah i get on board with that for sure rocco you <laughs> need to come back i think the, the time is right the time is right the industry needs the ne- industry needs to be shaken up There's too much mountain dew money around here so yo short of short of working for rocco i do wonder how did uh how did the four ply quarter snacks uh collaboration come about uh well basically i after i did the fred gall uh article i was definitely hitting up quarter snacks just to try to get 
them to link to it or mention it. And I figured it's, you know, Fred Gall, so they want a part of it. And particularly after I was able uh, for that, I also write a blog called Warm Up Zone. So Hmm. I did the data for four ply and then did a series of articles just about every sort of video part Freddie's put out. And I was able, with Matt Price's help, to find the footage of the moving bus wall ride that happened um that i think it's thad uh krosky um had that and he they, everyone was really generous so that's where quarter snacks i think gave me just that one link and from there kind of just mentioned yeah it's pretty cool they liked what uh what we were doing so i just kind of proposed it, it felt like a natural fit that they're already kind of ranking tricks so it's already kind of quantified let's let's do some analysis and then, yeah, that's Quartersnack. They're just super cool. That's very communicative. And uh, I got a pair of shoes from them. So there it's, we go. it's good. I'm professional now. Hey, hey, that's the come up. Which way? Which ones they send you, though? It's the, the Vans Quartersnacks collab. The sort of, it's like that bright blue with the green tennis ball interior. They're pretty wild. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's definitely a highlight. Yeah, you, got, you got the juice now, man. Yeah. <laughs> and but I know. Oh, 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 uh, yeah. Freddie Gall. The Freddie Gall project has come up a couple of times, and it is expansive, and it's got those morphing graphs that you were just talking about, Pete. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's the time involved in doing something like this where, let me look, uh, you know, we've got a couple decades of skating covered. Like, how long did it take you? Jeez, that one, it was stupid because I just got obsessed. The actual logging of the parts, it takes a while because some of these, you know, they're like 70 trick parts, so you got to log them. Fred Gollum, part of why I chose Freddie, besides this is a skater who I want to rewatch every part he's done, is relatively simple tricks. You know, it's nothing that'll take, a. you know, you can almost log it while you watch it. You don't have to keep rewinding of like, what was that? What was that? You know? I just got obsessed with trying to find every piece of footage I could find. So that's where kind of a lot of the time goes is just going down the Instagram rabbit hole of, all right, who's got images of Fred and who's got links to this? And then when did that happen? And a lot of skateboarding stuff just kind of disappears. So it's trying to find out like what shoe came out when for iPath and all of that. But it was definitely really rewarding. I think it's, I learned a lot. I learned also sometimes you need, boundaries you need the you know parameters <laughs> or you need an editor to rein you in because it just it was uh it just got out of hand for sure i don't know if i'll ever go that deep and it was good i got to talk to freddie so it was definitely rewarding and he was down for it which was really cool right this is why you need a product yeah. manager someone to tell you yeah. when done is done oh absolutely yeah that's why they say for an artist you need two people one person to make the art and one person to say it's finished all right so let's say i'm a young am uh on the come up like a young ripper um so like where do i skate what do i wear what tricks do i do etc to give myself the best statistical chance of making it into the quarter snacks top 10 yeah so here's your strategy for quarter snacks top 10 now of course past performance is not guarantee of sort of future results so taste could change you could invest in a lot of things the first thing is you want to make the choice to skate like Mason Silva. So just choose to skate like he skates, as good as he skates, and as often as <laughs> oh, he skates. Oh, no, sure. I'm, yeah, <laughs> that'll, easy that, that'll be a, a good way to go. Um, it's truly, I think, the thing I discovered with doing the quarter snacks, we were surprised, and even at quarter snacks, they were surprised. 
of just how kind of diverse it was that there really wasn't leaning as much towards one thing or another. Definitely ledge tricks, you know, had a little bit higher of a percentage than some things were low, like definitely transition skating was less than 5% of the tricks. So if you're only skating skate parks, that's going to be a challenge. Now, certainly skate park clips got in there, but they got to be some, you know, Oscar Rosenberg style skate park tricks to get noticed by quarter snacks. Um, and I, it's hard cause it's also a sample size of just one year. So we don't know if these things correlate year after year, once we get a few years deep, then we can really start seeing the trends. But yeah, I even compiling all the stats, I sort of finished the article by saying, if you want to sort of take the best percentages, it's the highest obstacle was ledges. The most popular spot was the Milan train station and the most popular letter that the first name of skaters had was J. So that would be Jacopo would be the, the guy, you know, it makes sense that he was in there a lot because he's skating ledges in Milan and his first name starts with J. Dang. Sounds like you're the closest okay, one, so Jason. Go to yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying if I go to Milan and uh, like film a, a line, like a pretty simple line, you know, I'm, I'm a simple type of skater. Yeah. So that, I, still, I was still a pretty good shot. Yes, I think at least with averages, yeah, that's, that'll give you the best shot, uh, I think, for you, particularly with your name. But, yeah, okay. that's the spot to be, and ledges are the obstacles to skate. All right, I'm on it. As soon right. as it's up. As soon as the pandemic's up. First plane. Yeah, I'm on the first plane out. It is, yeah. I guarantee it. Okay, we got the guarantee from the data scientist who went through an entire <laughs> year's worth of clips. Jason, yo, we'll we'll put together the GoFundMe. We'll fly you out to get you a hotel. You got to do it. Um, I noticed something. All right, no um, pressure. What's up? <laughs> no pressure. No, nothing. Light work. Pete, I noticed something um, looking at your analysis that very few, like of the top 10, right, only one of the spots was in California. That was the Oakland Courthouse. Now, yeah. this might be, I don't know if this is Quarter Snacks being a New York City-based skate website, and this is their editorial bias, or do you think that skateboarding's axis is tilting, that, hmm. you know, other places yeah. are, are better represented and more interesting, and people, and that's what people really reacted to, and that's what, you know, that's what gets people hyped. Yeah, that's a great observation. I mean, what's the causality of it? I definitely feel like the access is tilting off of America, which is, I think that you can just see that there's everyone coming up all over the world and it's definitely skateboarding's actually global, not just, you know, Canada and Brazil and Spain, it's and America. It's, it's, you just see kids coming out of Japan, Russia's got a scene. It's, I mean, everywhere. So I do feel like that's part of it. I really feel that, I was surprised there wasn't as much of a New York bias. I was expecting at least 25, 30% of the tricks to be in New York. And all I was able to identify was about 11%. I probably missed a few spots that I just didn't recognize as New York spots. But that's a lot less than I figured it would be uh, for Quarter Snacks because it is, I consider it very New York-centric of a, a website. But for California, I think it's just a lot of the California spots. It might have just been the pandemic year that... People weren't necessarily traveling to California who weren't there. I think people weren't necessarily congregating at the famous spots. California, it might be that a lot of their plazas are kind of either not around anymore or they're sort of 
played out that it's getting a trick at third and army in San Francisco isn't necessarily having the impact. I mean, it's what can you do there? You got to do something pretty phenomenal to get noticed, especially to get, you know, the countdown recognition. Um, And even with the Oakland courthouse, I know at least two of those clips came out of be free. So they were in the same week, Kyle Walker and Ishad doing tricks there. So uh, I feel like that's part of it is just people skated what they had. And I think California, especially people are kind of finding unique kind of one hitter spots that, you know, no one's as interested in Jay Quan or just it isn't having the impact that it, you might expect it to. Mm-hmm. Which is so weird, too, because I was at Jay Quan on Sunday and it was packed, like to the point where I was just like, let me go and skate the other side, um, like wall to wall kids. And I think it's like they call it Sunday service now because I think it's the only day that it's bus yeah. free. The, the building was supposed to be sold and redeveloped and. Because pandemic and a couple of other things, I, I'm guessing that's either on hold or it may have fallen through in its entirety. But like you're right, and people, I guess, like people are hungry for for novelty, and uh, that just gets me hyped. But then also kind of like it, it brings me down so much because like, I want really, really want to go to like I want really want to go to Milan. I really want to peep the train station. Yeah, and Milan's kind of a surprise because it is a popular spot. Uh, any year i mean some other spots i know in new york the museum of natural history that got five clips in the top 10 and it's just normally it's a bust you don't from what i know you don't get to skate that as a spot so i think people realize like this is the year once you know things get open up again you know we're not going to be able to skate this spot anymore so that might be it i mean i i don't know and again this is another case where when multi years can be lined up then you can see trends and you can see California on the rise or California down because certainly 2020 it could be uh, an outlier of a year it has you know for every reason that it's just unlike any other year that you know we've ever lived through so it 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 would make sense that it'd be a different type of year for skate spots um but maybe not I'm looking forward to finding out dang anything on the the four ply radar or just your personal personal goals for for data like well there's we got a lot of, we want to try to put more stuff out. Some of these articles, they're big, so they take a long time. So we want to maybe not invest. The Andrew Allen article from Harrison, that one, it's going to be great. It's definitely not nearly as dense with just numbers. Uh, it's a lot more interview-based and I think just a lot more readable and fun. And then there's just a lot of things to apply data to. It doesn't necessarily have to be this formula of sort of tricks and how many are switched and on what obstacles um, we definitely can look at other things. I would definitely like to do something like you mentioned with skater of the year of finding correlation with that, of what tricks were the big heavy tricks of the skater of the year for that year. And how has that changed over time or with the different awards that people have, when do those overlap or have they ever overlapped for skater of the year, which is obviously very thrasher centric trans worlds awards. Are there times that those crossed over? There's also what you got the barracks have their sort of populist. There's different sites, including my favorite boil the ocean sort of ranks its top videos. So what was the number one video for that? Did did that line up with the quarter snacks when they reviewed the last Mm -hmm. decade of just seeing that and then trying to figure out how to make that an interesting article or a visually interesting data visualization, um, which is something I'm learning to do. My dream for sure. And even before I started learning this, 
is obviously uh, I'm in my 40s. I've been skateboarding since the early 90s, so I'm obviously just steeped with nostalgic feelings for skateboarding and love digging into the history. And it can be difficult. I'm sometimes really surprised that there's just so much stuff that's hard to find, even stuff you'd think you'd be able to find out. Something like the X Games, I was trying to do some research on. You'd think there'd just be a Wikipedia page or something that's like, here's all the gold medals. Here's who's won every mm -hmm. X Games. Other than Skater of the Year, other than Sodi, it is hard. A lot of these, whether they're magazines or brands, have not kind of protected their legacy, which I'm kind of surprised by. So I would love to have a skateboarding database or series of databases that kind of could be merged that covers kind of one place, even if it was a subscription service. And I know sports st statistics have this of, you know, if I wanted to look up every company Mike Vallely's ridden for, <laughs> you could punch them up. And then it's, here's the list. These are the videos are in. And then you could click on the company. Well, here's all the videos that companies put out in years. And obviously, I don't think you could break it down into every trick. But, you know, who's won what contests and all that, these are all information. I feel like people have this information, but it's in these places. You got Look Back Library, you got, you know, Bob Shirt, you got the MBD archive sort of Instagram thing that there's a lot of people who are doing the research, but it's very scattered and sort of hard to access. And I yeah. feel like it would really preserve the legacy just to have that there, to have it like this is the official, this is what happened in skateboarding, at least as far as what we could record. I mean, you know, for cultural purposes, yeah, that would uh, be invaluable. I mean, you probably need, I would say like this is something that you could probably apply, apply for a grant for and receive and just start yeah. interviewing people while they're still alive. Because I think a lot of this information is just for years has just been in people's heads. There's um, Dead Hippie on Instagram, Mackenzie Eisenhower, yeah. who's been posting a lot of spot maps from around the world. Up until recently, that was something that was strictly the purview of a skateboard magazine you know you had your thomas guide or your ren mcnally atlas which had all of the spots tagged in it and everybody knew the coordinates people knew how to get there without you know pre-gps without even having to pull over and look at a map and you're right like but like this is a bit i think this is a job that is definitively bigger than one person like you need like an industry-wide poll to do something like this i mean you mentioned Mike Vallely, I mean, there's a ton of writers out there. Like Chris Markovich, for example. How many companies yes. did he start? <laughs> like, That's the other one I was thinking of. <laughs> like, it would be, I mean, it, it would have to be a concerted effort. And I don't know, like maybe, I mean, in the, it just like, it's such a good idea. And what is it? There's a um, skateboard video site. There's people who've started, but the thing is. Exactly, yeah. The effort is super patchwork at this point. It almost, it. Again, it feels like yeah, somebody a, used to pay uh, you. Yeah, it's a shame. There used to be that site, Skate.ly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Y'all remember that site, Skate.ly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. They were kind of trying to do that, I think. Like, you could look up any skater, and it would have, like, all their video parts, all their ads. Like, not all their ads, like, most of their ads. You know what I mean? Like, every company they were. They were kind of like on that wave, but for for some reason, like that they let the URL lapse or something. I don't know. It was a shame because that was a resource that I all the damn time. I used to use that a lot too, and that's I think you're right. It's a lot of information. It's either in people's heads or it's just in different sources, and a lot of it would just be building the database structure that interconnects these different, you know, basically information dumps or whatever have you. It's definitely something I think would just be good for research and it would legitimize. Yeah, I think it's hard because it's 
it would need a grant. I think it takes a lot of work and effort, and it's. I just don't think generally things have to be able to make money from for people to want to invest in them as well. But I'm definitely interested in it, and it's true for me. It's my concern is a lot of '90s stuff or even up to the present. So when I hear an interview with Lance Mountain and he talks about the '70s pros. I've never even heard of these people, but that's a whole legacy I'd really like to learn about and kind of know. And it is interesting. It's only a 50-year history for skateboarding. It is relatively new. And I've heard people mention that people who invented these things are still alive. It's kind of, but eventually they won't be, you know, and time does go pretty fast. So that was kind of one of the dreams. Uh, again, I don't know exactly, but <laughs> how it'll get done. But I definitely occasionally will hit up different people to see if I can have access, if they have spreadsheets. And I understand if someone makes these, they put a lot of work into it, they might be a little bit proprietary with it and not just want to share this information they spent so much time on. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's big and it is somewhat of a surprise for how nostalgic skateboarders are and such, you know, history buffs for this activity that it, it hasn't happened. It's all very scattered. And what's even crazier is a lot of videos in the internet age come and go whether because attention spans are too short or like a lot of these adidas videos they're i don't know leasing the songs only for a short amount of time so suddenly these videos yeah. literally unless only in bootleg form exist so i mean there's a million examples the, the first graphic i ever got uh it was a plan b rick howard board with like a dunesbury the penguin from dunesbury and probably 1992 I can't find an image of this. So it's not only can I not find the board to like rebuy it and have it on the wall, literally just a image, a picture of this board. I can't find it. And I know I didn't oh, I bring know. it up. <laughs> like, I know that's yeah, the board I well, had. The, the thing with world is they were doing so many graphics at the time. Like, you know what I mean? The runs yeah. were so small. Like no one even thought to have an idea like, Oh, let me take a picture. You know, there was no internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to do like, like a, you know what I mean? No one thought to catalog it in that way. Same yeah, with me, like I had this Henry Sanchez board or whatever with like a naked lady on the front, and I know I had it, I know it exists, but <laughs> I can't find a picture of it anywhere on the internet. Anywhere, it's crazy. Yeah, or it's a little bit darker, but I also know this existed that because uh, it was in a catalog somewhere. Something is back in the '90s. X Y Z made a T-shirt that was like a rainbow flag with bullet holes in it. I mean, just awful horrific stuff and there's times i want to show this as an example of like how homophobic skateboarding has been that this kind of existed within a catalog and wasn't pointed out just to be you know and it's not kind of big brother sort of silly homophobia that's still very damaging it's like this is straight up just hateful um and violent and again i swear i didn't dream it up and i did i have had people confirm that yes they know that existed but it's something where oh, yeah. again it's a shameful yeah. part of skateboarding's history but in oh, some yeah. ways i think we need to archive that as well yeah yeah like it's only i mean like let's let's keep it 100 it's only been in the last decade or so in which people have really kind of carved out a niche chromeball incident um, and folks like that with showing their collections, right? A lot of these folks were just collecting because it was, you know, they were obsessive about it, right? They had to have two of everything. They loved the graphics. They loved the feel of the shoes. They loved, they just wanted to have all of these things. They weren't necessarily thinking about the idea that they were going to be creating like a, a sort of a, a mini museum, like a, like Decade has been doing, right? Yeah. It's only now 
that we have, and also, you know, it's our age, like we're all in our late 30s or in our early to mid 40s. So we have some long view, we've got perspective on our lives, right? And we're at that age in which we're becoming very, very nostalgic, right? Especially, and if you factor in the shift in technology and culture, right? Like there's stuff then, like you just mentioned, board graphics that we can remember, right? Vividly on the shop wall, in a catalog, but it's just not there. Nobody took a picture of it. It's, um, the catalog has long since been destroyed. You know, it, it, it's, we're kind of like in a, in, a, in a funky place where people are just realizing that this stuff is actually, you know, these are cultural artifacts and they're actually yeah. valuable. And that it, it, it's actually, as skateboarding has matured, right? You know, there's actually, there's a history and we're realizing that, you know, you just mentioned, you know, you know, just mentioned that Lance Mountain will talk about a skater from the 70s or the early 80s. And how for most of us, we don't know these people. And even for people who are Lance Mountain, Lance Mountain was pro and he traveled all over the world, right? So he got to see a lot more of skateboarding than most regular skaters. But there's that Instagram account, for example, past participle of people showing off their old uh, Christmas completes and homemade ramps and chilling with their buddies in yeah. the 70s and 80s, early 90s. Like, most of those people aren't going to know who invented this trick, that. Like, a lot of it was, you know, by the time you found out about something, something new had already happened. I don't know, like, and it's not like there's like a singular body of skateboarding who you could pitch this to, and they'd be like, "All right, cool, we'll give you some money for it." Like, you'd have to go to a bunch of companies. I don't know, maybe maybe Rodney could help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I just sort of feel, hopefully, with four ply, a lot of it is fun, a lot of it's just these kind of passion projects, but part of it is that archiving, even if it is the ridiculous detail of recording every trick Eric Costin did in a major video. I mean, that's definitely ridiculous, but it is, for me at least, it does feel good to be kind of participating in the history. I can't participate as a skater. I'm not going to be a team manager. I don't think I'm ever going to learn to design shoes or anything, but it's a way for me just by kind of honoring it, archiving it, and sharing it. It's a way to sort of participate with that history and especially getting to just talk to Freddie Gall for, you know, just 30 minutes about his tricks and to then share that in a blog. It's not a big deal, but in some ways, you know, it's it's still everything just to be able to participate in history. And it's a niche. It's a small history. You know, it's not interesting to everybody, but I feel like in just seeing it with other sports doing it, I understand that skateboarding's not like other sports, but, you know, with art, with music, People do document and they do unearth things. So it's it feels good to participate that. And even podcasts like this, Chromeball, these blogs, it's just I, I feel like it's just super important. And hopefully I think also a lot of people are getting some uh some recognition. A lot of unsung heroes and overlooked skaters are getting kind of a second look, which is really cool too. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> Shout out to the Jason Rothmeyers of the world. Yeah. Yeah, Mackenzie Eisenhower, that, he's the man. That is, his articles, too, that he used to write uh, were really great. So, yeah, every time a new skate nerd star map comes up, I'm pretty psyched. Yeah, and his curb game is nasty. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Seen it in person. I know. Well, that's, he's learning new tricks. It definitely gives hope to us all, just because it seems like every week it's, it's something new. Like, all right, finally got the switch back, 5-0, someday. Yeah, true. This year... A slew of videos came out in the wormhole between Christmas and New Year's. Kind of an alpha move to drop a video after Sody season. Don't you think a little uh, devil may care? Anyway, Patrick, we had Godspeed, Genesis 2, 
homies too that Tom Karangelov weekend video. The other weekend video from Scandinavia, right on Townley part, the Nike Australia part, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on and on. So, Patrick, which of these videos kind of stood out for you and uh, was usually a, a content uh, wasteland? Uh, I don't know. The lame duck period for 2020 going into 2021 was pretty awesome. I think like the, the highlight for me was, was Godspeed. I just love the energy. I like the fact that Godspeed, Homies 2, Genesis 2 are kind of much more relaxed and a little bit more kind of reminding us that while 2020 sucked, it seemed like at least some folks were having fun and getting to spend some time with their friends. And especially now, you know, being here in California where, you know, cases out of control, it's bad all over the country, but particularly in LA, it just seems so dope. And, you know, you almost kind of have this sort of FOMO just watching folks like crowded around each other, looking into, um, into the viewfinder of a camera cheering their cheering the homies on it just it, it it felt like a big release whereas the Sodi race was indeed a race and it was like real deal mason like threw down with five amazing parts and there was a couple other folk that tom knox part that came through like these just made me feel like ah oh, electric relaxation and <laughs> it just shows like skating is on skating is an an otherworldly place right now like we are i mean just i think this just goes back to um this goes back to Pete's earlier point that it's an embarrassment of riches. We're in this point where there's so many videos coming out. Not only is it hard to keep track of them, you almost feel as though you don't have the time to give every single one of them the, the attention that they need, right? Because somebody put time into all of these. What about you, Mike? What do you yeah. think? Ooh, it is an embarrassment of riches. And for real, I haven't watched much of anything that came out between, yeah, you know, I got off work. Christmas zoned out for a while and like I'm just starting to try to catch up. I think I caught the the Nike Melbourne video, bits and pieces of Godspeed, but um yeah, it, it, it's it's almost overwhelming cuz there is this tradition of being able to zone out and not have to worry about it. Like in recent years we've gotten used to the Sodi coming out, the Sodi announcement happens and you know, you get to mellow out for a week. You watch the NBA during Christmas. You don't have to watch skateboarding. So that's <laughs> where I'm at. Um, True. Pete, what was uh, what's your favorite bit of content here? It's it's tough that you know. Again, I think we're just let me reiterate that it's just so much that it is a little overwhelming, and especially having full length videos in this mix. Uh, Godspeed. It. Maybe because of the hour running time, it had that homey vibe, but that skateboarding was just incredible. I know you guys talked uh, the previous episode about Ishad and how great a year he had and how that just kind of when you have this many good skateboarding years, you kind of set the bar so high for yourself that it's hard to be exceptional when you're kind of always exceptional. But he was just great in that. Um, and that was really good. I always like the weekend edits. I think they're you know, a lot of fun. Um, and then the traffic video, I was really psyched that they released that fully um, online. I love just dirty East Coast, just gritty, crusty skating. Um, it's definitely inspiring me. And it makes me feel like if I'm not out there, it's because I'm making excuses because it's there's stuff to skate. It just might not be perfect. So Hell yeah. um, and then even the primitive video, I'm not the biggest primitive fan, the testing three. I felt like that was a good length. You know, six or seven minutes. It's great to see P Rod back skating again. So it's 
it's a lot of fun, but I got to admit, even just trying to prepare to come on the show, I was like, I got to catch up and <laughs> I couldn't, it was just, <laughs> you know, after an hour or so, you just kind of glaze over and it's, it's, you, you miss some good stuff. You always feel bad for the people in the middle of a long video. Cause you just, it's, it's hard to stand out in that much. Hell yeah. Yeah, like that traffic video was great, and that's actually kind of frustrating too. Uh, my boy Paul has some has some footage in that video, um, and also, um, or he shot some footage rather. And our our buddy Jersey Dave has a, a trick or two in there as well, and it's it's kind of frustrating. Like there's some of these videos that I just wish they had come out like that. If Godspeed had come out in the summer, right? Oh my goodness, that would have been perfect. But I don't know. Uh, a couple of us noticed that it did drop just in time for Kwanzaa. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, it fell in a good place in the calendar of black excellence. But, like, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even like um, like the Bob LaSalle, like the dime, like uh, just like his stuff for dime, that was great. Yeah. yeah. It almost seems the, uh, like he has a thing that he does. You know what I mean? It almost seems like everybody thought nobody else was going to put out anything in that time frame, and then just it all coincided. <laughs> what, nobody coordinated? Like, I thought you were putting out a video. <laughs> I thought you were going to wait until January, you know? Uh, yeah, back to Godspeed for a second. Yeah, that was pretty uh, major. Like, it was the coolest I shot part in a while, I thought. like uh, we And we talked about this on Skate Twitter, like, ad nauseum. Like, it was tight that they actually used current rap music that the kids in the video liked you know what i mean mm -hmm. like what a concept except for that one uh the game song that was <laughs> that was kind of out of left field but anyway um yeah like those kids are good like kind of disappointed in like the little bit of kev footage but you know kev is kev is kev so hopefully it'll come yeah. through with something <laughs> kev is gonna come through with something kev is i i'd like to think that kev is gonna come through with something for 2021 <laughs> i mean yeah, it, man, he's got to. He's got to. He's he's got to. He's got to save the world. I think. Yeah, he's he's twenty twenty one. He's gonna be. He's got to be Sodi. He's got to be that dude. But like, maybe he's just got the strategy of like you know the opposite of Ishad, where so much good stuff is always coming out, you don't notice it. Is we want more KB footage, so Hell it's yeah. when it comes, it's it, that anticipation will make it all the more sweet. So maybe he's on a whole other level. I think he is. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, the penny strategy. Exactly. Hell yeah. Also, Yo. uh, yeah, one, one more thing about Godspeed. Uh, Sharif Grady coming through with, the, I think, the fit of the year in like the Atlanta section. He like does a big spin down some gap in like a pink cardigan and some jeans that look like polar jeans, but I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, for me, that was fit of the year. I don't know. Yeah, there, yeah. Was, some, there was some fire Whoa. fits in there. Like... Fit of 2020 or fit of 2021? Ooh. Um, 2020, I think. Okay. I'm going to call it 2020. Dang. And, um, you been beating out Shanahan? Shanahan had, uh, Shanahan had some fits, without a doubt. He's, he's got his own lane going on. He's kind of on his own way. So, yeah, shout out that guy. Oh. But, um, yeah, real quick. Back to the Nike Melbourne video. That was sick. Really good mix of, like, kind of perfect type Euro spots and some, like, crusty type spots you know what i mean melbourne has spots for days apparently but uh the one kid in there ben laurie is super sick like i had to ask my uh my homie when we did from australia like yo who is that kid blah, blah, blah. he's that one kid that like skates and dunks all the time and does like 
locks into like 30 foot crooked grinds and 30 foot yeah, like yeah. nose grinds and shit yeah that kid has like uh like a little like of the x factor there so he's probably going places i would say but he's definitely rowan davis is definitely a standout too super super course, super good it's Pay attention to whoever's the slam Australian skateboarder of the year, which Rowan Davis was uh, earlier in 2020, Jack O'Grady the year before, but it's almost always someone who makes an impact. Jackson Pills got it one year, Jake Hayes. Mm. It's usually, you know, I know O'Grady's staying with uh, Passport in Australia, but it's these are the people who, if you're an American company, you're paying attention because... It's probably both, you know, relatively good market, and it's there's talent coming out of there for sure. And that video, it's it showed that like those are top of the game. So and good. I got a shout out, um, Andrew Mapstone, Andrew Mapstone, right? In that video, not Anthony. I just had a brain fart. Hold up, I think it's Anthony because I put that in the note because uh, that was cool. I saw Mapstone, and then I can't remember now. Oh, definitely Anthony. Anthony? Yeah. Dude, I'm having like a, I'm like down a wormhole. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Actually, I Pete. I remember him. Oh, go ahead. Pete, actually, I, I want to get your opinion on the Fuck 2020 edit that DC dropped because something that's been uh, become a recurring theme on the podcast has been this sort of rebirth. Uh, uh, not even a rebirth, excuse me. I'd rather say more like a, a renaissance for DC that you've got old heads who are nostalgic for DC in the 90s when they were doing the super tour, the most tech shoe before everybody actually started rocking Air Maxes to skate in. And like now like you've got the nostalgia for the old heads, but you've got young cats who are taking it, freaking it, doing a little different, something different with it. And they even have some slimmed down shoes and folks who are like on the Evan Smith tip. Like what is, is it possible for another company to be able to, reinvent themselves or bring themselves back back to the essence i like where D- yeah i like where dc is at as far as team um i like the shoes too i'm definitely i wear the the es cells is is my shoe so i like big beefy i'm stuck in that like shoebox style shoe um but i like the team a lot i think it's much better now I think, you know, their strategy of when they just kind of dumped Chris Cole and, you know, Nigel moved on and all that is worked out. I think it's a skaters team. I thought the fuck 2020 video felt a bit like a footage dump. They've had so much good stuff this year that Evan Smith, again, like Ishad, is another skater who puts out several killer parts every year. Wes Kramer is similar to that. Um, I mean, Skate Mafia is very tied in with DC. So I feel like a lot of that footage sort of covers both ground so there was some good tricks in there but with domino coming out earlier this year mm-hmm. i mean i was almost worried is are they dumping footage because they're about to do another purge of the team or something like that which i hope isn't but i like what dc's doing i think it's smart i mean it might not be as mainstream so as profitable as sort of appealing appealing to skaters you know it's not the best way to get to hardcore skaters it's not the best way to sell product as much as just to a appeal to kids shopping at a mall or something but you know that being said i still enjoyed watching it i'd rather see a dc footage dump than not so i always feel like i'm the guy who gripes that all pros who kind of feel like if they're not skating at a certain level or as good as the younger teammates or something like that don't put out footage i think this is what like rick howard or some of these people do they can still skate they can still skate great 
but I think they just don't feel like they're at that level, so they don't put it out. And I think it's a bummer. I want to see what they're doing now, and I think they can make it work. So, and anytime there's, you know, it's uh, the Josh Kalis, just his Instagram edits, everything. That guy just, everything he touches is just gold. So, I know. you know, if, as long as he stays on DC, I think uh, I think I got to back him. Yeah, I'm like I'm like I'm looking at like for example, this year is going to be I think it's the 35th anniversary of of Soltech, so Etnies, S, etc. And I'm wondering like why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing? Why is Soltech not doing something similar? They made some of the most beloved shoes of all time. They should be Soltech should be having the same renaissance that DC is. We're everyone's in, super into 90s nostalgia. Soltech owned the 90s. I don't know what they're doing. I think the same thing of. It's, it's, you know, I like the shoes or at least some of the shoes, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know why they, it seems like a no brainer. Um, maybe they know something we don't, but I mean, Soltech, even as far as I know, some of their best contemporary writers like TJ Rogers isn't even officially on the team. I think he's still just getting flowed shoes or something like that. It's, it's, uh, they should definitely take a clue from DC cause DC it's relevant. You know, it's, they're not a punchline and the Soltech companies don't need to be like that it doesn't need to be and certainly america with green coming out earlier this year i don't want to say they're irrelevant i think they're still doing good stuff but certainly with s or i call them es i don't actually know which which is what the official <laughs> canon on that um i think it's, but yes. yeah it's kind of weird that that's the same company as menic Mahdi. like it, it really feels like even though they put out a menic Mahdi shoe it's it's just doesn't have it like they should be the ones who have like a, like like bronze did that collab with DC and you're like okay it's like 90s plus 2010s coming together oh my god it was perfect right and you're just like why is S not doing collabs with like cool new streetwear companies or or new or or like why are they not doing stuff with the bronzes of the world and there's hot kids who need shoe sponsors not everyone's going to get on the vans the nike the adidas it's there's going to be people who i think can elevate the brand and uh there's just a lot of young talent so but i don't know i mean i gotta feel like they got a plan but yeah so 2020 they didn't appear to have much of a plan for capitalizing on it everybody gets what i'm hearing 2020 yeah Sounds like Nike Adidas might be a paring down thing, so it might be a soul tech opportunity in twenty twenty one. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and also like DC, yeah. like DC dug in on um like apparently they're very, very big in South America, right? So if skateboarding is worldwide, same thing. Why not just like go and just like get some boxes out to people who are abroad? I I'll tell you what. Don Brown, give me a call. We'll use the power of percentages and spreadsheets to figure this out. We'll be back on top. <laughs> Yo, you heard it here first. Yeah. yeah back to uh, back to DT- DC for a second. You think they're uh, filming for fuck 2021 yet? Or anyway, I think the, the events the, the events just pushed them into it. It's like fuck all right, it's like fuck fuck 2021 coming soon. But uh, yeah, it, it was good to see Carlos Ikey on a board again. Like he's a total ripper. Um, yeah, it's good to see yeah. the West up to as well. Oh, he's just one of those guys. Didn't DC put out uh, like a short video in the middle of the year, a uh, middle of 2020 that was really, really? They had a couple new kids from Europe. Or am I losing my mind? Uh, that was the the Domino. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. The Euro team. Euro team is good. See, there you go. Invest abroad. Yeah. Reap the benefits. It's uh, like Joseph Scott, um, who's on Sour. That's He's amazing. 
he's so much fun to watch. It's I think there's opportunities, and I don't think they need to take you know whatever's being discarded by Adidas. I mean, maybe maybe there's some bargains there, but I feel like it's there's a new generation coming up, and yeah, I think it's while I certainly buy shoes based on nostalgia, that's it's not going to work. I think you have to tie it in with young talent and sort of fresh designs as well. So I think yeah, that's it's a uh, it's good, but yeah, DC, yeah, fuck 2021 so far. We'll see though. Yeah, who knows, man? Who knows what the future holds? Did did we watch the Danny Way video part? Nope. I saw a couple. Oh, I, yeah, I watched it. There was I some chatter it. about it. I saw like no clips bubbled up. You know, usually you can count on just something like reaching you. Whether you know if it's rad, it's gonna reach you. But Jason, fill us in. Yeah. Well, okay. He was skating his mega ramp in Hawaii and. Basically, he was using it like as a flyout. Like he would do like a like a frontside when he heel flip, for example, like out of the mega ramp onto the deck or whatever. And then he would like kind of use it as a flat bank, like do like a three sixty flip to fakie, like on like the flat part in the middle. So uh, it was pretty gnarly. But I think like there's like the new Vert kids, like that Elliot Sloan kid or whatever. They're kind of like my probably like passed him by, dude. Like they're doing some crazy shit just on like a regular vert ramp. Right, right. So uh, it was sick. It's good to see him. He and Colin still doing it, but you know what I mean. I think that this new generation of Vert kids are kind of like you know what I mean. They took the uh, mantle a little bit. Was there a Colin McKay clip that was recycled from the Plan B True video though? In there, yeah, uh, her homie uh, Lucas discovered that it was like they put it in black and white instead of color or something. Okay, maybe that's a recognition. Apparently, this part sort of is that missing part from True that just needed a few extra tricks to be released. That a lot of this footage, apparently, I've read that that ramp is pretty dilapidated now. That a lot of this footage is five or six years old. And okay. I mean, it's, I think it maybe came out very quietly for a reason. Just it's, I, I thought it was kind of garbage. I, I think it's, I'm not a huge mega ramp fan anyway, but just because it's so unrelatable, it was. It just made something, it took all the excitement out. It was like lip tricks on a mega quarter pipe, but without air. So they took the big air element out of mega ramp, and I kind of just, it just was not very exciting. And it was in black and white. They put all the footage in black and white, and it's, uh, I think they just, it had a Metallica song, so I think they were trying really hard to get nostalgia for, you know, Revolution era Plan B, which was the, you know, Colin and Danny vert part with a metallica song that was amazing and yeah i was very disappointed not that i was really anticipating it um but my expectations were low and i was still disappointed yeah danny danny way ollied over the great wall of china he should have retired the <laughs> mega 360 ramp. muted it yeah like, <laughs> should have should have should have retired the mega ramp after that and gone back to street skating just that straight would- up vert just a straight up <laughs> Ten yeah. foot vert ramp, Danny Way would be badass. Right now, <laughs> basically oh. a mini ramp for those dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, but you know, I, I guess like that's the thing too. It's like um, there was. I just remember all the hubbub about True and everything. With it, it feels like Sheckler has kind of redeemed himself from like the whole like false claiming that he got the backside winning flip um, down El Toro. You know, but Danny Way, like no part in True, like. It, Dog, like, you don't have to do so much. Like, it, it's, I understand that there's a certain amount of pressure that these guys felt like Danny Way had parts in some of the most game-changing, if not the most influential videos, skate videos of all time. 
Like, you're, dog, you don't have to do too much. Yo, you can bring back Danny Way skating on a curb. I think we would be hyped. Man, or, or even just doing like some uh, some airs or whatever in a bowl. You know what I mean? Just oh, skating yeah. the pool the bowl or something would be tight. Yeah, like go yeah. Like- backside ollie. Backside ollie on a vert ramp. Like that kind of like gangly Danny Way thing. He looks yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's caught up in thinking he has to outdo himself or at least it has to be kind of monumental and that he won't do stuff like that. And he's just all for all of his great parts. He's missed been on the teams of videos and not had parts. And a lot of whether it's plan B true, was it secondhand smoke or one of those plan B videos that had a coming soon Danny way part instead of having a part, it was like a teaser for a part Oh, that never came out. He was, smoke. he was on Alien Workshop during Minefield. Like, he had, what, like, two tricks in that? It's, it's, I, I feel like uh, he's definitely in his head maybe a little too much. And truly, I mean, when you have a documentary made about you, when you've done, when you've gone over the Great Wall of China, like, where do you go? I can see why you feel like you can't go anywhere else. And he very well m- not putting out a part, this fade to black part, or what now is whatever the welcome home part that just came out. He might have that might have been a bad move to just put that out. Maybe just put out put him out as Instagram clips or something like that. It I kind of would have been more, I think it would have been less uh, open to criticism that way. I think it would have been more exciting. I, th- I, I think, think he gets a he gets a pass on secondhand smoke because I think he broke his neck. He did. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think of Danny Way. And I don't, I don't know if I can lump Rick Howard in previously mentioned and like mentioned frequently on this podcast where it's like, damn it, just give us some footage, man. It might be like an Allen Iverson complex where AI, well, he got traded from Philly to Denver and his role was reduced. And I forget where he went from Denver afterwards, but like he was on the Memphis Grizzlies shortly thereafter. And he wasn't that old. He was in his early 30s. And before he knew it, he was out of the league. Yeah, he, like, couldn't, uh, he couldn't come off the bench. He couldn't come off the bench. He couldn't not be the main dude. And I think that, I mean, especially if you're Danny Way, Great Wall of China, Hard Rock Cafe, Helicopter, Danny Way, like, how do you age gracefully in skateboarding when you're like the gnarliest human ever to do it? Um, the AI con- comparison kind of started in jest, but it, it really does make sense. Like, yeah. Yeah, like how do you, how do you how do you put out? I mean, it is interesting that he put out like five or six year old footage that you know on its face isn't necessarily up to snuff, especially when Elliot Sloan's out there like doing what he does. It's it, it's very interesting, and I'll leave it at that. All right. So, like uh, my friend said, we'd probably be stoked on some new Rick Howard, Mike Howard footage this year. In the meantime, uh, Mike, where are you stoked on this week? Ooh, I have been stoked on Japanese skateboarding, and it's most of it is via VHS Mag on Instagram, and then I'll like see a clip of a skater, check out his page, and be like, okay, I'm following this random dude. Uh, it's just been hitting hard lately because Japanese cities are really interesting looking, and I actually went on my honeymoon with my wife to Tokyo, had a board, didn't skate. I feel like an idiot, but. Um, yeah, following people on Instagram is super interesting because they get out of like the Tokyo vibes that I saw and even like the big city Kyoto where I went. So that's been super good. And I will say my interest in Japanese skating goes back to the great Shinokata in the Prime 5 video where 
He's probably got like the second best video part behind Kane Gale's like 54 seconds of footage. So, um, yeah, stoked on Japanese skateboarding. Pete, it's your first ever stoked on. What are you stoked on? Well, it was uh, earlier in the week. Dave Schubert on Instagram. He goes by at Dave Schubert SF. He's, uh, I think he did the Hamburger's Eyes zine. He's just been uploading some raw East Coast footage from the early 90s, which is, he does that in old graffiti pics. And then a clip came up that I'd never seen. I don't know if anyone's seen it from 1993 of Fred Gall doing a line in Pulaski Park at dusk. This is vintage, like 15 year old Sub Zero video, Fred Gall. So I'm a fiend for any unseen Fred Gall footage. But this era of Fred Gall is my the favorite era of my favorite skater. So a seven trick line. He gets up on the ledge, does a trick on one of those planters. I mean, it was just some golden treasure. I was really psyched. So that combined with this friendship of Brian Anderson and Fred Gall that's developed over the year. They're getting Fred Gall a mattress and just seeing these footage of both these guys kind of at the sort of autumn years of their career, kind of inspiring each other and knowing that they're being productive. They're skating, they're filming together. I think they're probably pushing each other. So it's really heartwarming. And I mean, it's tough. It's just been obviously a tough year and tough time. So kind of feel good stories like that mean a lot. Um, The other thing I'm stoked on, and particularly with um, MF Doom passing, is I started listening to the Czarcast, which is Esoteric from Czarface, has started a podcast. And he's obviously a great lyricist and good with words. And it's just full of nerdy comic books, Star Wars, goodies. And it's pretty fun. So that got me stoked this week, too. Patrick, what are you stoked on? Uh, Piggybacking off of... uh... Pete's uh, remembrance of MF Doom. I'm stoked on all the work of the supervillain. Like the news hit while my wife and I made pizza on New Year's Eve, and the news came through, came over Twitter, and it was just, I mean, it was like the final nail in the coffin for 2020. So just like dived into all the special herbs instrumentals, um, spent a lot of the weekend listening to like Mad Villainy, King Ghidra, Monster Island Czars. Who, man, like, like, like Doom. Like Doom, and especially like anything like on Stone's Throw, and then to a lesser extent, um, what you might call it, Def Jux. That was like 2003 to 2006, seven for me, and just spending time chilling with friends, just like digging through records, trying to find these samples, trying to find old uh, Spider-Man cartoons, and finding out where did Doom do these samples. Uh, that was yeah. I think a lot of us, um, you know, I, I think it hit a lot of skaters because a lot of us had the same experience. It's like bonding with friends and just listening to this weird tweaked out trippy hip-hop so r.i.p the super villain i'm stoked on uh jenkins second coming of brandon turner that was really amazing i the bridge that just watch it i won't spoil it it's that good uh stoked on spitfire wheels oh yeah shout out to them for the box and uh i just copped a chico brenez uh the one of the crooked boards with a cat and it is not going on the wall. I am going to skate it. I'm super, super pumped about it. Uh, Jason, what are you stoked on? All right. Stoked on, well, like, shout out uh, Venture Trucks out of San Francisco, California uh, for the box. Shout out uh, Bram, everyone at Deluxe and shit. That was tight. As the video game liaison for this podcast, I'm stoked on uh, Call of Duty Cold War. I finally kind of started figuring it out and getting good, as they say, so fucked around with 
that a lot over break. And uh, yeah, hit me on the Xbox Live at Carbonite 101 or cross platform if you're a PlayStation person. Um, I guess tell me when you can put my like Activision ID in the show notes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Also, stoked on uh, this podcast called Marvel Declassified. It's only on Sirius Satellite Radio, but if you're like a comic book type person, it's like fascinating. It's like a multi part narrative podcast about the history of Marvel Comics and shit going all the way back to like the 30s and 40s. So, like, it's super fascinating. So, if you're into that, yeah, definitely check that out. I read a book a while back called Marvel Comics The Untold Story. Uh, yeah. By Sean Howe, and that was it was dense, but uh, it was great. If you if you want to love the people behind Marvel Comics and feel like the bullpen was a fun place where people all work together, do not read that book or hear that <laughs> podcast because <laughs> they were they were ruthless to each other, and it was a crazy crazy business. But uh, it's interesting stories. I loved it. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. All right, well that's our show this week. Be sure to check mostlyskateboarding.net for links to things we talked about today and other show notes. Until next time, and keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can the people find you? Uh, you all can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks or on Instagram at P Kigongo. Pete, where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram at warmupzone or you can check the website warmupzone.com or get all the four-ply data action fourplymag.com or at fourplymag on Instagram and Twitter. Jason, where can people find you? On the Twitter at carbonite1994, on Instagram at frozencarbonite, and writing stuff for cortex.com. Mike, where can the people find you? I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at mmunzenrider. We'll see you guys next week. Dope. Be safe, Later. y'all. Thanks for coming on, Pete. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It is a blast. I'm controller of Planet X. Three, three. And I've invited you here to discuss something that's very important. King Ghidorah, take me to your leader. Quick to claim that he not no snake like me neither. They need to take a breather. He been rhyming longer than Sigmund the Sea Creature. Been on Saturday feature. Pleased to meet ya And came to wake you up Out the deep sleeper Like he needed to stop Before he caught the knee drop Even give you more Sip, sip than ZZ top When full bears Thou shall not more corner Future like one more steps In y'all's corners So call rich Front if you wanna When he spit electrics Don't be in y'all's saunas He only here to warn us What the plan is The hour is up on us It's bananas Born alone, die alone, no matter who your man is Hope he live long enough to tell it to his grandkids King Deidre, three-finger ring fever Spring chicken eater, ID'd as a ringleader Who needs a heater? Catch him with bare hands These same hands that make razors out bare cans His own biggest fan And got a fan base as big as you can Yeah, and all hail the king And give him three cheers, fam like hit hit parade, do his thing for the little kings like sling blade. To the grave, put it work like a slave. Or how to flip scripts on the dipstick brigade. Rockin' my Sue Sue Studio play. Back when we used to rock the shag, no fade. This still trade like a tailor made sway. Make the studio, and I'm paid. Half up front, half upon mastering. Would you like that in cash? Last thing you should ask the king. You don't have to be no crystal ball reader. Allergic to Saul Peter, used to be a wall beater. 
in the game like a Wall Street cheater. A lot of rap noise is annoying like Cedar. Turn into a triple X monster from a fairy tale movie. He don't know me very well, do he? King Pedro crush on the scene's teacher. They need to pay him better, she had nothing on the reefer. Heifer, and I had to offer her a stick of gum. She was as thick as they come and taught a strict curriculum. Which is only good for my son. When I'm in the hood, raises on tongue. Nowadays it's amazing raising young. Rule number one, keep your faces on stun. 